You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. is it going everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves with john scott thank you everybody for joining us tim is back we missed friday tim was out and about going on planes trains and automobiles where where were you tim let everybody know i was back home uh in boston area for a wedding my college roommate which is really nice was up in uh gloucester gloucester um which is a north shore of boston right in the water have you seen uh the perfect storm john that movie yes Back in the day. So that's where it was filmed. It's like a fishing shipping town right in the water. And the hotel was actually right on the water, too. So it was like it's kind of like I, I get out there and everywhere you look, there's lobster traps and, and, and cranes and dudes and walking around with gear and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, it smelled like fish. It smelled. It was dark and cloudy out. And I was like, if I had never been to Massachusetts before, this is my first time. I would think, yeah, this is about right. This seems exactly right. Um but it was a good time. It was a good good time to see the, the friends and family and all that. Um, how was your weekend? It was all right. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the... Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah, we uh, laid low. It's Advent season for us. We're Catholics, so we kind of did some stuff at church. We had a little carol thing at church where we sang some songs that was fun and my daughter it's her birthday today actually so she was all geared up gabriella she turns eight today so she was all fired up this weekend about what we're gonna have for dinner what we're gonna do what what kind of cake are you gonna make me what's going on in the morning because we always do a big breakfast table extravaganza and it was just a whole lot of stuff then i had my hockey game sunday night so i threw a wrench and everything but it was good. It was a good weekend, but they go by fast. Hold on, I need a sip of coffee here. They do go by fast. It's always funny, too, like going home to Boston and all of a sudden you hear all these accents that I've never heard in my whole life. And, and people like my aunt, my mom and friends and stuff, you know, not being around it every day anymore. And they don't have strong accents, but a little bit where she's like, oh, like, oh, you're moving to Charlotte. Oh, that'll be fun. Like, I'll have to come out and visit you this summer. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I've, I've known you my whole life. I've never heard your accent till today, but it's That's just so it's funny. Just yeah. Yeah. When I go home, I hear the A's and the oots and the boots. And I'm like, did I used to speak that way? Did I used to sound like you? I hope I didn't, but maybe you I still did. do sometimes. Once in a while, I'll hear like, once I have a couple, a couple beers, it comes back a little bit. But you mentioned the move. You're, you're leaving Traverse City, Tim. Yeah, yeah, this it's crazy. I Saturday and Sunday I'm driving home to Boston for the holidays and then I'm moving to North Carolina in Charlotte. Um, which is exciting. It's bittersweet. I love here here in Traverse City. It's been three years, but moving on to the next thing. But it's crazy because like I don't know, you always you forget how how busy and hectic the move is, not just packing your stuff and all that, but like all the logistical stuff, like the subscription you gotta cancel and the addresses you gotta update and all these things. And my whole life, the last week and this, this whole week was moving stuff into a storage unit, moving stuff, getting rid of stuff, donating stuff, selling stuff. <clears throat> my, my apartment's on boxes right now. It's, it's a little bit crazy. 
Yeah, we moved a year ago last month, and we still have packages shipped to our old house. And the people who live there must just think we're the most irresponsible people because you have like, you got Amazon, you got all these other places and you just click ship and it's like, oh, it's shipping to my old house. And you got to do the walk of shame up the drive. I'm like, sorry, it won't happen again. I'm like, it's going to happen again. Let's let's move on. What's that? Oh, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you next week. It's just brutal. You know, what's not brutal. A team. You know, we, we've been down on them, rightfully so. They've struggled the last few years. But they, a breath of fresh air we were talking before we came on. I was like, this team, I, I don't know. They, they could have, you know, a chance because they play out west or in the Pacific Division. I know the Pacific is, you know, just as good as the other divisions, as one of our listeners said. And I say that mockingly because I don't believe it. The Vancouver Canucks, not so quietly, have won four in a row under Bruce Boudreau. Um, they've been playing very good hockey and it's, it's not like they're playing teams that are, are cakewalks. They beat the Carolina hurricanes two to one Carolina, arguably the best team in the NHL. They beat the Winnipeg jets four to three Winnipeg, very good team. They beat the Boston Bruins two to one Boston. Other than that, Vancouver game had a pretty good road swing. Then they beat the LA Kings, uh, division rival four rep in Boudreaux's first game. So, that's being said, is there any, any, any chance in hell that Vancouver can slide into the playoffs? Right now, as it stands today, they are six points out of a playoff spot. Vegas has two games in hand. There's still 50 games left to play, Tim. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of games to be played. Is there any chance that Vancouver can get back in this thing? Because before we came on there, you're like, ah, no, they're done. Are you going to backtrack that statement? You know what? I am. I'm looking at the map uh, now. They've won four in a row. Um, and Edmonton, by contrast, has lost five in a row. They're only six points apart. Like, they had a terrible start to the season. But the math is still so early enough where they're, they got 26 points. The fourth-place team is 32. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, is not, it is not that unlikely. The problem is, who's the odd man out? Because you got Anaheim leading the division. They're, they're looking like they're not going anywhere. Calgary, Edmonton, and Vegas are all teams we expect to be there. So which one of them would be the odd man out? That's hard to say. I think this this division is exactly what I said it was a month ago. It's going to be a season of streaks. Any one of these teams could go on an eight-game winning streak or an eight-game losing streak. And we, we've seen it already. San Jose got hot. They won five in a row. It's very exciting. Although then they lose seven. Oh, LA's, LA's right up there. They were in first place, if you don't remember. About a month ago, they were first place in the Pacific. It was LA and Anaheim. They were out of there. Oh, you know what? Well, LA's lost like the last eight of 10. They're, they're not doing so hot. Oh, and now, now Edmonton, no one's going to catch Edmonton. I was on the Edmonton bandwagon. They might only lose five games all season. Oh, well, what's that? They've lost five in a row and they're struggling. And maybe, maybe they're not the team we think they are. This division is going to be a hot and cold division. Who's hot? Who's going to maintain that hot streak right now? Anaheim has been the only consistent team really and Calgary. I'll give them that Calgary hasn't gone on a big losing streak yet. If you can manage to stem the tide of a a losing streak, that's what I, our coaches would always harp on. It's okay to lose one. It's okay to lose two. You never lose three in a row. 
you, you got to stop that nip it in the bud right away. You never, never, never want to go on a losing streak because it just piles on itself. And it just, the despair way washes over you. Like we're never going to win. We're never going to win. And then it just becomes embarrassing. And next thing you know, you're Edmonton where you're a very good team and you've lost five in a row. Then you start to panic and it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? We're supposed to be a Stanley cup contender. Why haven't we won in a long time? Then you start squeezing the stick a little bit. The goaltenders, maybe the puck looks a little bit smaller and they can't stop it. It's a big mental game at that point. So you really have to work at not losing that many games in a row. And the good teams, the very, very good teams, very rare do you see them lose three games in a row in a season. The Pacific Division is not like that. There are no really good teams in the Pacific Division. We thought the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be that team in the division to maybe vie for a Stanley Cup. It has not happened yet. Going back to the Vancouver Canucks. I totally see them making a run for the playoffs at this point. They're not going to be a Stanley Cup contender. The reason I see that is Bruce Brudeau comes in. Everyone wants to play good for the new coach. Make a good first impression. You know, they're, they're, they're doing things they don't normally do. Pedersen's been playing well. Besser's been buzzing around the ice. They've been doing it. OEL didn't play last game. Pullman's or Hominick was out. So they're, they're still having pieces come in, but everybody's playing better. Everybody's playing up to the contracts for the first four games and Boudreaux's letting them go. He's letting the defenseman jump up in the rush. He's letting them be active. And when you have that decor that they have with the Hughes and the Myers and the OELs and the, the guys who can jump up in the rush, that's what they're there for. You, you got the horses, let them run, baby. Like, I don't know why Travis Green didn't let them, you know, play like that. He, he kind of held him back a little bit. Maybe he was worried about getting embarrassed, worried about the run and gun game. He was a little more conservative style of coach. And Bruce Brudeau, he's letting him go at this point in the season. He's still holding everybody accountable. If you make a mistake, he's going to let you know. That's what everybody was, everybody's saying after the games. You know, he, he'll let you know on film if, if you're making a mistake, but he's going to give you a little bit of rope. You know, the, the early results are great. 4-0. Are they better than LA? Yeah. Are they better than San Jose? I think so. They're, they're, it's not that far-fetched for them to make a run at the playoffs. I, if their players continue to play the way that they are, and mind you, we see this whenever there's a new coach, they get that bump. Oh, a new coach. Let's let's do it. You know, I, I want to maintain my ice time. I, I want to keep keep my position on the first line. I got to I got to perform. Then your old habits kick in. Then two weeks go by. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm, uh, maybe I'm going to go revert back to who I was. We'll see if that, you know, happens. But as of now, I'm not ready to go all in. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid yet because Pedersen is still Pedersen in my book. But they have good players on the Vancouver Canucks. They have elite players on the Vancouver Canucks. And don't look now, but Thatcher Demko is turning himself into a really, really good goaltender. When Jim Benning like, let Jacob Markstrom walk and he let him go to Van- or Calgary, excuse me, I-, I was scratching my head a little bit. I was like, that's it's a bold move. Markstrom is a very good goaltender, and I don't think it would cost a lot of money to keep him. It- it's looking like a pretty good move right now. As good as Markstrom has been, Demko's just just as good. He's been having a really good season. Not Vesna-type numbers as Markstrom's getting because Markstrom plays for a Daryl Sutter defense where you know it- it's just – clog up the clog up the house. Don't, don't let any shots through. We're going to get a million shutouts in a season, but he's playing really, really good hockey. So we'll see where it goes from here. I, I was shocked to see that they're only six points back. I expect them to be double digits. So I was like, Vancouver sucked all season. How are they only six points back after only winning four in a row? Then I went, Oh, they play in the Pacific division. That's why. 
So for everybody who's like, the Pacific is great. It's still the worst division in the NHL. Maybe, well, the Central's pretty bad too. Let me ask you this. If you had to guess right now, who are the four teams in the Pacific that make the playoffs? As it stands right now, I think there's only a couple. Gosh, the three locks for me are Calgary, Edmonton, and Vegas. Those are and my three locks. still not a lock for you? No, they're not. <laughs> oh, they're they're not. the division. As long as Isaac Lundstrom can stay healthy, <laughs> then they're fine. But they're first in the division. Yes, they've been playing good all season long. I just don't trust them yet. I really don't. They got John Gibson. There's and a most lot. Most games played too. They have by by, by a couple, but <sighs> I'm not I'm not sold on them yet. Calgary Calgary looks good. Edmonton they're going to be there. They're too talented not to be there. And for some reason, I just can't. I can't, I can't omit Vegas. Like they, they've been so good the last three, four, five years, but maybe Vegas is the odd one out because Anaheim's look pretty darn good. Or maybe it's just the four that are in there or the four that are in there. I'm, I'm trying to find a way to get Vancouver into the playoffs, but it would not surprise me if those four teams that are in there right now, Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vegas are the four that go to the dance at the end of the day. They're, they're, that's a pretty good four, but none of them are going to win the Stanley Cup. Out of those four, Tim, which one has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup? Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton, or Vegas? I would say Vegas or Calgary. I would say Calgary. Yeah. I definitely would say Calgary. They got a they got good defensemen. They got a good goaltender. They are strong down the middle. Like I always say, I'm not I'm not just saying that. I, I don't say things just to say them. I actually mean that. All right, but Bush Brito, good for him. Very, you know, it's people ripped on the hiring a little bit and I question it. I was like, oh, you know, same, you know, old dog, new trick. He's, he's been around like, let's, let's get some fresh blood in there. Who knows? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe the guy knows what he's doing. He's been a coach for a long time. He's obviously resonating with the players. He's doing something right. You don't just go in and take over a team that's last place and just playing like garbage and turn them around overnight and do food. He, he must know what he's doing. So good for Bruce Boudreaux, good for the Vancouver Canucks. It gives them something, you know, to, to feel good about. So that's good. Moving on to the Olympics are around the corner. There's been some talk about the NHL players not actually going to the Olympics. Have you heard of this? There's been some chatter. Yep. yep. So the latest news is, the Chinese IOC, I don't know if it's China or if it's the IOC or if it's a combination of the two, they have some crazy protocol stuff if you do contract COVID-19 while you're at the Olympics where potentially you would have to quarantine for 21 days, which is insane. So this puts a really big wrench in the NHL players plans to go to, to go to China to go to Beijing for the 2022 Olympics. Because if you do go to the Olympics and you are a Connor McDavid and you do somehow get COVID there are breakthrough cases, things happen, who knows? And you have to quarantine in China for 21 days. That's a big deal. And there's already deals in place with the PA and the CBA and the NHL. You're not getting paid for those days that you're in quarantine in China. So there is a huge question mark. I know the IOC or the IIHF, the International Hockey Federation, they put, they put aside a small insurance lump sum of $6 million or $3 million, whatever the number is. That number gets eaten up if Connor McDavid's over there for like five games. The guy makes a million bucks a game. He's, he's like 
gets maybe not a million bucks a game. He gets paid a lot. That money won't last long. If that doesn't change, just say that ordinance. You are the GM, Tim. You're the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. You have a lot of players potentially going to the Olympics. You're the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. You're the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you let your players go to the Olympics? If there is a possibility that they could be stuck in China for three weeks. I mean, at this point, yes, only because there's a strong chance they don't go anyway and you don't have to be the bad guy. Whether there's a United States or, or Canadian government boycott of the Olympics or then maybe the league steps in and says, we don't want our players going. Or maybe the players like Robin Lehner say, you know what, you guys, good luck to the rest of my guys, but I'm not going to make this one for my personal reasons. So there's a chance that these guys don't go for any number of reasons, um, whether it's hockey related or, you know, geopolitical related um, but when it comes down to it and say, like, say it's, it's crunch time and, and it looks like everyone's going, I still think, yes, even at that point, you let them go. I think it's just, I don't know how you don't, you know, it's Gary Bettman. He, he has just thrown everything on the players. He has basically just said, whatever they want to do, we're going to do. He has taken all culpability out of his hands. I, I love what he's done. He said, I'm not the bad guy. The play, it's the player's decision. If they want to go, they go. It's, it's a genius strategy for him. That's a PR nightmare for the NHLPA because he, he has no, there's nothing on him. So if they go over there and they're, they're done for 21 days, Gary's like, I told you, like, it was your decision. I, I let you guys know what, what could have happened and look at what's happening. It's affecting our whole season. So I don't know. It's such a tricky thing where there's a lot of moving parts. If what if what if only a couple of guys are in COVID protocol? It only affects the New York Rangers and Panarin and Zabinajad are gone, and then all of a sudden the Rangers they're without their two best players for three weeks, four weeks. It's like whoa, the you know so what? The Rangers you know suck it. You're going to be terrible for the next couple of weeks. It's um, it's definitely I I do think they'll go at the end of the day, and maybe they they switch the quarantine for the NHL players because obviously they have a high impact job other than like a, a bobsledder, you know, they can maybe afford to quarantine for three weeks other than an NHL guy who has stuff going on back home, but we'll see. It's China doesn't seem to be very flexible to me. I, I feel like they're going to be like, no, we're you know, through three week quarantine. Sorry. And I don't want to get into geopolitical stuff, but I would not want to quarantine in China ever, let alone three weeks with my family. I'm not bringing my family to China. If I'm on that team, no thanks. You can watch it on. If the NHL players don't go, do you? Did you watch the games four years ago when there was no NHL players? Uh, no highlights. No, but no, I didn't watch any of the games. No. Do you watch the games if if they go now? Yeah, of course. Yeah. If if sorry, if the NHL players don't go, are you watching? Well, who goes then? Last time it was college guys. It was players yeah. who were overseas. It was everybody but NHL players. No, I don't. I mean, if the U.S. goes to the gold medal or something, yeah, but no. All right. All right. Speaking of the Olympics, speaking of the U.S., there's been a little bit of chatter of, of a certain um, Jack Eichel. As the Jack turns his back, there's been some chatter that he is, you know, had the surgery. All signs that I've heard, it was successful. He is slowly building up his stamina, doing light exercises, his date for recovery post-surgery coincides with the start of the Olympics. 
Is there any way possible, any way possible, if you're the U.S. GM of, I don't know who it is, constructing the Team USA team, I know I'm posing you a lot of difficult questions, Tim. I know you didn't expect this to be this type of podcast, but I am. Do you take a Jack Eichel who has not played in a competitive game for over a year now and put him right on the Olympic team if he's healthy? Uh, well, I'm, do I talk to Jack all along? I'm assuming I get to have those conversations, right? I'm Jack, assuming you, you can talk to Jack. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll let that go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you do. I think you I think you want I mean, first of all, he's going to have an edge. He's going to have something to prove. He's going to be hungry. And I think he's going to want to show it on the biggest stage, which is the Olympics, obviously, uh, maybe prove all of those those doubters and naysayers wrong. And I think obviously he's maybe not a number one, but certainly arguably number two uh, best player, most talented player on that team. And I think for a team that is looking for for an offense first player, I mean, you've got you're going to need the Jack Eichels of the world to beat Canada, I think. So I, I don't know. I, I would say, I would say yes. I think I would bring him too. What's the worst that can happen. You just bench him or you throw him in the, the reserves, the press box and let him just watch and just let him skate. Maybe, maybe he shows up for game four or five, let him play against team China. He is in the same group as China. So I'm assuming Jack Eichel can compete against. Let him get a game versus Team China. Let him score seven goals. Get his confidence back. Ugh. What's the over under? You're the points bet guy. Another question. Team Canada plays Team China. Game one. What is the over under for goals in that game? Uh, I mean, the actual number will be different from what's possible because they can. They'll be able to pretty much score at will, right? What, what is the Vegas going to set their line at? Twelve and a half. I was going to say, I bet Canada doesn't let it go into double digits. Um, I bet oh, they'll, no, they're going to. You, you don't think they'll hold back? No. No way. Because goal differential is a thing in the Olympics. Yeah. So if, if they tie USA for first spot, it goes to goal differential. That's the first tiebreaker. Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, yeah, 11 and a half. No, they're just poor. Those poor, they're Americans and Canadians who have been repatriated to be Chinese citizens, but they're just... <clears throat> That I would watch that game. If I do watch a game, it'll be that game because it's just going to be a bloodbath. All right. Eichel's going to the Olympics. We've already gotten through that. Doug Armstrong, the GM of the Olympic team for Canada, made an interesting comment. Usually when you construct the team, typically everyone thinks you just go for the most talented guys. You take, okay, Team Canada, let's see who's got the most points. Ding, 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 ding. Let's take all these guys away we go. We're going to win. We got all the talented guys. We got all the all-stars. We got all the all pros. It's, it's, it's an easy sell. Doug Armstrong, he made a little, made a little waves in Canada. I'm an insider in Canada. You're not Canadian, Tim. So let's leave Canada alone to me. He made a comment. He said, we're assembling a team for an NHL style game for an NHL style ice size, which is what they're playing on in China. What did he mean by that? An NHL style game. Is he just going to select all the skill players? I don't think so. I think we're going to be surprised by a couple of the selections that Doug Armstrong unveils when, when he does unveil team Canada to the world, because it's always a big day. It's like in high school when you try out for the play and you go up to the wall, it's like, did I get the lead? I was never, I I don't know why I'm saying that. I never did that, but it's always (laughs) exciting. Who are, Tim, 
some guys that maybe we weren't thinking of that could be added to this list of players going overseas because Doug Armstrong thinks they fit in an NHL style rink for an NHL style type of game. Well, it depends on exactly what he means by that, because, you know, even, even an NHL style game, the team that you build for, for best of seven deep playoff run style tournament is different from a short high speed Olympic tournament. Um, but the, one of the names being thrown around is Tom Wilson, who's having a great offensive season. He's got 24 points in 27 games. You know he brings the size, the grit. He puts a little bit of fear in his opponents. Um, and I don't know how many guys that are Olympic or even close to Olympic caliber level will be on, a, you know, in, on any team where I don't know that Team USA has an answer to him. I mean, I mean, I'm sure a guy like Brady Kachuk or someone wouldn't be afraid to, to, to tussle, but Brady Kachuk's not stopping Tom Wilson from doing what he does. So I don't know that anyone else will have a match for that. So I think there's, there's an edge there, especially if you look at Armstrong's comments. So he's kind of the name that, go, that I go right to. How nervous are you if you're Team Russia or Team USA and you're one of the skill guys, you're like, no, no. They're getting Tom Wilson. They're, they're, they're picking him. It's just Marin. like this was – yeah, like Panera is just this was supposed to be the Olympics. We don't hit in the Olympics. This is like all you guys. And then you see Tom Wilson step over the boards and like, oh, no, this is this is not good. It's like Adam Sandler in dodgeball when Billy Madison, you're all going to die. And you start pelting the kids. It's going to be Tom Wilson at the Olympics. He's just going to be ripping everybody apart. I hope he goes. I that would be I didn't even think of Tom Wilson. I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll maybe get uh, some names I heard thrown around were like a Casey Sezikis, who's a good fourth line guy. He can block shots, kill penalties, kind of does everything. He's really proven his role the last two playoff runs for the New York Islanders. He's really played well. Another guy, Yanni Gord, who was just hard to play against. He, he's won a couple Stanley Cups. He's a proven winner. Doug Armstrong also emphasized he wants winners. He wants guys who know what it takes to win. And he's obviously won a couple Stanley Cups. Guys like that, who I thought maybe would be put on the team, but a Tom Wilson would be fantastic. I think he could go up and down the lineup, much like a Yanni Gord could. But another name that is also exciting is Zach Hyman. We, now, we, we did talk about Hyman at the beginning of this season because Team Canada likes to keep teammates together. They like that familiarity on the forward side things. And on the back end, I guess you could keep Jones and Warinsky. We're in Columbus together. But is there a chance for Hyman? Because he has been doing okay with McDavid, or you could even slot him in. Who do he play with in Toronto? I guess mostly Matthews. So that doesn't make sense. But out of those four, Wilson, Hyman, Sezikis, Yanni Gord, which one fits? Which one is even going to get any playing time? Because Canadian's roster is so deep. It's got to be Wilson, I think, is is the one. I mean, he's the one I said, too. But if you look at, like, your comments about not just, you know, NHL type of roster, but winners, and you look at, okay, if we bring someone like a Tom Wilson in, and he might not necessarily be a starter every game, but who is the odd man out when he comes out? Because you know you've got our locks. You know McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, Bergeron, Marchand, those players. Those are probably the five locks. And then is, like, is Mitch Marner out now for Tom Wilson? Is Stamkos out for a Yanni Gord or something like that? Braden Point hasn't had as strong of a season, although he's got all the talent in the world. Like someone, someone has to be out for these guys, one of these type of guys to come in. So it's really, really interesting to see how that plays out. And I also don't want to undersell the fact that when you and I built our teams uh, prior to the season, we all, both of us had 
a fourth line already that, you know, elite talents, but we're the grinders of this crew of the Mark Stones, Ryan O'Reilly, Sean Couturier. So I don't want to overlook the fact that we do kind of have that type of player already. They're not being as scary like Tom Wilson, but they're a shutdown, gritty two-way player that maybe Zach Hyman is. So I don't think that, you know, that it does exist in this roster already a little bit. Yeah, I think, gosh, I think if, if you look at Armstrong's comments and you read into it a little more, does he value a Stanley Cup champion, a guy like a Yanni Gord or a Tom Wilson, over a guy who's maybe a little bit better, like a Sean Couturier? I, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting. I think we're going to be surprised when the roster is revealed. I don't think Mitch Marner's on it anymore. I don't think Couturier is on it anymore. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who are just going to be left home scratching their head like, why am I not on this team? I think you're going to see guys, even an Anthony Sorelli from Tampa Bay. He is a good dude. Do you take Tampa Bay's line, Stamkos, Sorelli, and Yanni Gord? And just that's that's your fourth line. They, they are very comfortable with each other. They know how to win. They played in really hard minutes up and down the lineup. They're really, I don't know. There will be some surprises when that roster gets unveiled. It's going to be exciting, but uh, we'll, you can talk about it all day, which we maybe should. Well, we should. Okay. Be. Let me ask you one before we move on. On the defensive side, do you see any of that playing out? Like, how might you see a, I don't know, more of a gritty or, or physical defenseman come play over like a, a Theodore Patangelo or something? Well, that's where the Pelic Pullock comes in, right? For the Islanders. Do you, do you take those guys who are a little more physical? They're a little more shut down. I like those two. They haven't been having the great, greatest season with the Islanders. Pullock's been hurt a little bit. That's where that comes into play. Do, do you take a more skilled player like a Dougie Hamilton, or do you take a, a guy who's maybe um, more, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, NHL style, because obviously Dougie Hamilton is an NHL defenseman. So I don't know. Or do you, you bring in Drew Doughty, who's, who's been there, done that. He's won gold medals. He's won Stanley Cups. He has that, that grit that you know what it takes to win games, which Doug Armstrong seems to prioritize. So we'll see. Doug Armstrong is an old school guy. He's not one of these new age guys, the Sheldon Keefe's to Kyle Dubas. He's an old school dude. He's going to bring a guy into a fight who's going to go in and punch someone in the face. He's not going to bring a guy who dances around. Does does Canada have any locks on defense or is it wide open? Well, I think Peter Angelo, they already said he's on the team. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's Peter Angelo. And I, and I think another lock is Shea Theodore. I think those two guys, they're going to be there. And Kel McCarr, you have to bring him. Kel McCarr could potentially go down as the best defenseman who'd ever laced him up. If he continues this trajectory that he's on, the kid's unbelievable. Like he's, a, did you see the goal he scored the other night? Coast to coast. It was oh, yeah. a pretty dang good goal. So like this guy's a lock Theodore, Peter Angelo. After that, I think it's, I think it's up in the air. You got, if you want to go with partners, you take Devin Taves, put him with Kale McCarr, Colorado pairings. Then you got the Vegas pairings, Peter Angelo and Theodore. Then you got the uh, Islanders pairings with Pollock and Pellich. Make I don't even think Theodore's a lock. I don't think Theodore's a lock. I don't. Yeah, you're right. He might not be. The only lock is Peter Angelo McCart. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like you got Drew Doughty, you got Pranko, you got Brent Burns, you got Dougie Hamilton, and I'm probably leaving out countless other guys who I had on my roster than my team before. So there will be a lot of debate once the team is released and that'll be fun not so much debate on the u.s side because i don't think they have the pool to pull from but it's always good fodder for us to talk about it's power rankings time tim who's good who's bad who's who's a waste of space and who's just climbing up the the standings i have mine and i i think my first 
overall pick is going to surprise a lot of people. It's the Minnesota wild. They are my number one. They're my number one honey right now. And I'm not being a favoritism. I'm not being a Homer. Minnesota wild are going to win the Stanley cup this year. And I'll tell you why they play the game the right way. They, they have the best defense in hockey. Can I say that? Can I say that their defense is so good that it just makes the offense so easy? Spurgeon, Dumba, they're playing great hockey. I know I'm leaving some out right now, but Kaprizov's playing out of this world. Marcus Foligno was just just having an MVP-type season. We've already talked about him in episodes prior. I like myself some Minnesota Wild. And here is what's going to put them over the top. They have Kevin Fiala. And I know this is, this is, this is a stretch. Kevin Fiala is on. What are you smiling for? Where are you going with this? I'm going to, I'm going to put some pieces together. I'm going off Kevin Fiala. He's on the, the, the TSN trade bait. He's number eight that, that, that they cooked up. So he is an unrestricted or restricted free agent. He's 25 years old. Apparently Minnesota wild want to move him. He he's having an okay year. He's got three goals, 15 assists. So it's not like he's not producing. They're going to trade Kevin Fiala to San Jose sharks for Thomas hurdle. You heard it here first. That's that's what I think is going to happen. I think Fiala's going to San Jose. Hurdle's going to go to Minnesota. He's going to sign a deal in Minnesota. Then they're going to have a very dangerous lineup. They're going to slot him in on the second line. Their third line is going to be Felino, Greenway, and Erickson Eck. Then the second line is going to be Hurdle and whoever. And the first line is going to be Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And they're going to be a very dangerous team. I don't have all those players' names in front of me, but that's, that's the move that's going to happen. And they're already at the top of my rankings, Minnesota, because they've been playing so, so good. And they're going to go out and they're going to get Thomas Hurdle and they're going to put him over the top. This is Minnesota's year to win the Stanley Cup. I truly believe that. They're a very good team. They're coached very well. And Kaprizov, uh, Kirill Kaprizov has turned this team since he's arrived into a very dangerous team. And he's done it in such a short period of time. So that, that's my number one for my power wow. rankings. Okay, but is that is that good? Is that good for the game? What does Bedman does Bedman want Minnesota going all the way? What do you mean? Is that good for the game? Of course, okay. it's good for the game. If it's Florida and Minnesota in the Stanley Cup Finals, who's going to watch? Are the are advertisers going to want to be involved? Is it, they don't have like the guy, don't have the superstar, <clears throat> the marketable face. Is that good for the game of hockey? If those are the two final teams, and you and I will love it. The diehards that listen to the show will probably love it. But objectively, for the business of hockey, that that good for the game well i think i think it is i think minnesota it's it's the state of hockey tim it's it's ingrained in their blood i think people love to see that type of finals but i i don't know I, i've always thought that yeah you want the two biggest cities in the stanley cup finals and last year they lucked out they had montreal so that was that was a get for everybody but if, if you look back at, at the finals there was tampa bay dallas worse than a Minnesota Florida final in my eyes when you got Dallas and Tampa Bay you had St. Louis Boston you had Washington Vegas then you had Pittsburgh Nashville so it's not like you've had matchups that are with crazy sexy and big markets and I don't think it's affected the game at all I, I I think fans will gravitate to good teams and there's a lot of good storylines with both of those teams. If you have a Minnesota team that just gave up Zach Parise, just gave up Ryan Suter, they got this young kid driving the driving the the boat or the plane or the car, whatever you want to call it, the bus. They're a very exciting team to watch. And you got the Florida Panthers. You got Jumbo Joe Thornton. 
Who's not going to want that guy to win a cup? You got Barkov, the most underrated captain in the NHL. I think that would be a very, very good Stanley Cup finals to watch. That being said, I don't think Florida is going to make the Stanley Cup finals, but you could you could interchange Florida with Carolina. You could interchange Florida. I guess Tampa Bay has a little bit of pull now, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. My, my number one is Minnesota, Tim. It's number one. My number two right now is the New York Rangers. I think the Rangers are playing great hockey. I think Gort... Okay, I don't want to butcher his name. Shosturkin's been hurt. Gor- Gorgiev, is that it? I think I think it's Georgiev, but Georgiev? I never heard it said out loud. I don't know. People think I butcher these names on purpose. I don't. I honestly try to pronounce them correctly, but when I get on a roll and I get talking, and it sounds conceited, and I get on a roll when I get talking, it just I just can't do it. But the Rangers are playing good hockey. Have you seen, and I'm going to, we're jumping around quite a bit. Have you seen Jacob Truba, what he's turned into? Oh yeah. He's, awesome. he's an absolute terminator. What, what has he been drinking? Okay. The first hit, very traumatizing hit. He hit, um, you, you, Kahara, Jujar Kahara. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Kyra. I don't know. Kyra. I went to Michigan Tech. I should know his last name. Anyways, he just buried him. Absolutely devastating hit. Scary. Kahara out cold. That guy's had a lot of concussion issues. I hope he's okay. He's He was knocked out earlier this year. I was like, whoa, man, Like, let's just pump the brakes. He's back, gets knocked out again. He needs to sit out for a long, long time. The head is not something you want to. Anyways, Truba obliterates him. The very next game, he obliterates McKinnon, cutting, cutting, through the top of the circles, Truba steps up and just lights him up. Lana Scott comes in, fights him. Truba does well in the fight. Next game, he just buries Jake Skinner. Jake Skinner gets up, hits him back. Jake Skinner gets mauled around like a little kid by the bench with the Rangers. It was really funny to watch. The very next game, he just demolishes Luke Coonan. Like, oh, these are four Cronwall-type hits. Maybe not Cronwall. I mean, maybe a couple of them are Cronwall-type hits. Is there a scarier hitter in the NHL now than Jake Truba? And how is, where has he been? And this is my theory. The reason he's doing this is because he has Ryan Reeves on his lineup and because maybe he's a little more confident. Maybe he feels like he can go out and hit a little more. Maybe I'm being crazy and I'm just overstating a tough guy's relevance and importance on a team, but maybe, maybe it is. I don't know, but it, is it, why is he doing this, Tim? It, I don't know. It, it's just, I love seeing it because hitting is, is a dying art. And all of a sudden Jacob Truba is just like burying guys every single game. The Reeves thing is interesting. I didn't even think of that. I, that could have something to do with it. I think part of it has something to do with uh, Adam Fox, too, where mm-hmm. if you think back to when Truba left Winnipeg, I think they were hoping that he would be, like, the guy on offense. He put up, you know, I don't want to – I don't in front of me, maybe 30, 40 points where he thought, you know, in the right lineup, if he's running power play one, he can be a, a point per game or 50-plus anyway for a defenseman. And he never quite did that. But now with with Adam Fox, you know, lighting the world on fire, maybe he's he's – leaning into the other aspects of his game where Fox is putting up the point and he's free to do the other thing, which is what we're seeing right now. But I, the biggest question, what people are kind of arguing about is whether or not these hits are clean, whether they're legal. And I, I, I think they are, I think that's the general consensus, but now, and I'm, I'm seeing by your face that you think it's a clean hit, right? Well, I think all of them are clean. Yeah. Okay. But now this is, and I agree. And th- these are good clean hits and it sucks that people get hurt, especially Kyra. I mean, that's, that's a scary mm-hmm. thing. But now someone on Twitter, and I don't remember who brought up the point that's like, okay, if if those are clean hits and clean hits end up with guys leaving on stretchers, 
do we need maybe to address the definition of a clean hit somehow? Is that really a clean hit if, if a guys are getting hurt? No, no, that's a, that's a, that's silly. No. Why? Okay. If he's leaving on a, and maybe the Kyra thing is, is an exceptional play, but even McKinnon had to leave the ice on, on a play that wasn't as bad. Do we need to address what's a clean hit or not then? If guys are getting hurt in a quote unquote clean hit. I think, I think we have addressed it earlier as, as a league where you don't, you're not allowed to target the head. Okay. But why are they still getting hurt then? Isn't it about protecting the players? They're keeping their head down and it's a physical game. If you run into somebody going full speed, it's, it's, it's a man's game. I'm not turning the NHL into a sissy game. I'm not doing it. You watch football. Football is maddening to watch now because you have a clean hit and all of a sudden, like it's a targeting the 15 yard penalties, automatic first down. It's like, that guy didn't even hit his head, uh, hitting a defenseless uh, receiver, this and that 15 yard penalty for it ruins the game. If you want to play hockey, it's a man's game. I'm sorry. People don't want to hear that. Once you step over the boards, you better keep your, your head up. Like that's, that's hockey. If you don't want hitting, then just get rid of hitting. You can't all of a sudden just keep pushing the goalposts back on what is a clean hit because oh, that guy got hurt. Okay. You're not allowed to hit after you've taken two strides. Oh, okay. No, that guy got hurt. Now you can only hit um, below the shoulders. <gasps> okay. That guy got hurt. Okay. Well, now you have to yell at the guy before you hit him. And let them know. <gasps> oh, no. Okay. That guy got hurt. Now we're going to have points on all the shoulders and you can only hit like the shoulders. <gasps> that guy got hit. Okay. Now you got to hit between the nipples and the belly button. That's the only spot. It, it, no, I think it, much like ads on during COVID, they put ads on the boards. I said it was a slippery slope. You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Now we're getting ads on helmets, and it's going to go to the pants, and it's going to go to the jerseys, and it's just going to be gone. We've already given that up. This is where you have to take a stand. It's like, no, we want more hitting. Hitting is a good thing. This is why people play hockey. It's, it's a physical sport. Just because someone gets hurt, it's a nature of the beast. Like It's a physical game. You have to expect that when you have the puck. you got to protect yourself. So- I don't know. I happen to agree. And just real quick, you mentioned football. Can I get a quick word on the Bills after losing to the Patriots oh. and five days later losing to Tom Brady? You thought you were uh, done. Two, two devastating losses. First of all, Bill Belichick might be the greatest coach in all of sports, not just football. Like that, that game plan was epic. Like I, I would have never guessed. And I know the win was a factor. He threw the ball three times. Mac. Mac Jones was two for three for like 18 yards. It was epic. And then going back to last night, I blame Sean McDermott. It was fourth and two at the end of the game. And instead of going for the win, he kicks a field goal. I'm like, go for it, man. Like, let's go. Like, what else do we have to do? We have an epic comeback here. Now we're just kicking a field goal. So bills are in trouble. They're seven and six. Luckily there's a 17th game. So I think if they finish up, 11 and six, they'll be fine. They'll make the playoffs. And that, that's all you, you need to make the dance. That's all. It doesn't matter how you got there. So, but yeah, it's just two heartbreaking losses. A to the New England Patriots, who are arch nemesis, and B to Tom Brady, who we can't beat. We cannot beat Tom Brady, no matter what jersey he's wearing. It's just impossible for us, Bill. So we did not slay any demons during those games. It, it's, and then Josh Allen's in a walking boot. It's not good. It's not good. All right. My third power ranking is the Florida Panthers. They've been playing great. All right. My bottom three, 
we got to move. We've been talking a lot, Tim. I was like, we're not going to have anything to talk about this episode. We've only gone through like half of the agenda. Um, my bottom three, Buffalo, Montreal, and the Islanders. I don't know. Any, any other? Do you have a power rankings? I would agree with those. New York might not be in my top. I would put Anaheim ahead of them, which I know is – I don't see, I don't I, – I wrestle whether there's enough meat on that bone, whether the mirage is real or not, but um, – yeah, you have to put them up there. They're, they're it's funny so we well. don't pick Washington. It's funny we don't pick Washington, who is leading the NHL in points right now. <laughs> well, I will say this though: uh, we've been relatively quiet from the Washington Capitals Twitter. Has been so so loud and annoying. But what Ovechkin only has one goal in his last six games. No, so, yeah, he's put what? up some assists. He's been basically still a point per game guy, but he's been very what? very quiet. No, no. So if he gets one goal every six games for the rest of the season, that gives him maybe eight more goals. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I, I know he's going to get over 30. I, I concede that. But if he doesn't, oh, man, I'm, I'm taking receipts. Uh, everybody who's tweeting at me, I know. And I'm, I'm taking receipts. And if he does finish the season with 30 or less, get ready. Because there's going to be a salty response to every single one of you jokers out there. But uh, all right, moving on. DoorDash. I know we do the DoorDash ad a lot. And I know a lot of you are tired of hearing it. But I'm not tired of saying it. And DoorDash is not tired of paying me money to say it. So get yourself an iPhone. Get yourself a smartphone. Get yourself a tablet. Punch up DoorDash. Ding dong. DoorDash, it's fantastic. It's the best thing since sliced bread. And speaking of sliced bread, you can get sliced bread on DoorDash. Fire it up. Tell them we sent you promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada, promo code GlovesDDUS if they're in the USA. We don't advertise with people we don't like. It's a good company. I encourage you to use them. I'm sure you all do. If you're new to the show, check it out. You get 25% off. You get free delivery on your first order. It's a good thing. Promo code GlovesDD in Canada, GlovesDD US in the US of A. It's a good company. Get some food. Everybody eats. Everybody needs to eat. Do it with DoorDash. Tell them we sent you. It's a nice way to fill your belly. All right. Moving on. I want to talk about a pass. I want to talk about a play that I have never seen in my life. Not even in men's league. Not even in, you know, Howling around, you know, before the game, not even in just an open skate, not even in an NHL practice where I'm skating with the most skilled guys on the face of the earth day in and day out. Did you see the pass? What's Zgrass's first name? Tyler or Trevor? Trevor. Trevor Z- Zgrass's pass to Casey or whatever Milano's first name. I'm not good with first names. I want to go with last name. The Dude. pass that Zgrass made to Milano last week where he slid the puck up on his stick from behind the net and flipped it over the net and Milano hit it out of midair might be one of the greatest individual efforts I've ever seen out of two guys. And I know it's, it's weird to say, but for, for Zegris to pick it up and to have the patience to just float it over the net and for it to just float perfectly over the goalie's shoulder and for Milano to hit it out of midair and throw it in the net. It was an unbelievable play all around. I don't know why this is not getting any more hype. It, it, it should be all over ESPN. It should be all over SportsCenter. It should be all over the world because it was just such an amazing play. Maybe because it was Anaheim, nobody was watching, or it happened really late at night. I don't know. 
I think this is the greatest hockey play potentially of all time. And uh, am I overstating this? It was unbelievable. You're not, but it, it was getting that attention. Like we saw even like celebrities that don't watch hockey were chiming in on it. We saw it in ESPN and Sportsnet. I mean, obviously Twitter hockey was all over it for a couple of days. So I think it has gotten the praise and maybe, maybe still not enough for how, you know, how creative it was. And like you said, like Milano too, like if it, if it's the pass attempt, Without the goal, we we you know marvel at it for one night on Twitter and then that's it. But the, to finish it too, like that was a great, great one-two effort. And um, I mean, Anaheim is just so much fun to watch. There's so much just like I don't know creativity and character and charisma in that in that group. And Zegers is kind of leading that crew. And then not to mention Troy Terry and your boy Lindstrom. Like this is a fun team. And that was a unfortunately we have some old misers in the world of hockey like tortorella commenting on that did you see what he had to say no he was basically just like you know 10 years ago you make if you even try a move like that and the next time you step on the ice someone takes your head off and like i wouldn't want someone on my team pulling that stuff or whatever just sound like old man yelling at Who's tortorella is that an ex-player <laughs> uh, i think he's a beat writer for the sharks or something why yeah. do people say that when they've never played the game? Hey, 10 years ago, we would have taken. No, you wouldn't. You would have been writing articles still. You wouldn't have done anything. I can say that because I played. You can't say that, Twitterella, because you never, you never stepped on the ice. Ah, 20 years ago, old-time hockey that I never flew. Yes, it would have because you would have been doing nothing. Uh, maybe he's right. Maybe they would have you know, went after him. But 10 years ago, I don't think anybody could have made that play. Uh, maybe maybe 10 is a little, but like 30 years ago, I don't think anybody in the NHL could have a had the mindset to do that and B been able to pull it off. That's just kids are so skilled these days. This is, this is what they practice day in and day out. You, you go for a skate with kids who are like ages seven to 12 to 13. The hands on these kids are incredible. The toe drags, the puck skills, the, the stick movement. It's unbelievable the amount of skill that these kids have. Yes. The stick handling's there. What I think they sacrificed is the actual hockey knowledge and hockey skill IQ of hockey, I think has dropped, but the skill level has gone up. It's weird to weird to say that, but yes, hockey IQ is plummeting. Hockey skill is through the roof. So I think they're, they're not one in the same. All right, moving on. What are we doing here, Tim? Well, we got to get into the points back pick of the night. It's a little tricky because there's no game tonight. There was a scheduled one with Calgary, um, but that is canceled because we got a bunch of players, like five or six of their core guys in COVID protocol, um, which is not good. Obviously, it's not good for like, you know, they happen to play the Bruins on Saturday night. So those guys all got to get tested. So there's all kinds of things to figure out. But there's a bunch of games tomorrow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look a game ahead. And I'm looking at the, the East Coast here. The, the Devils and the Flyers are playing each other. Flyers super underperforming, still ahead of the Devils in the standings, still probably a better team. They're a slight favorite at minus 125. I'm going with the Devils as the underdog here. Very, very slight underdog. They're plus 105 to win. Flyers have been skidding. Um, I don't, they put up a bunch of goals in, in the last couple of days. I think they had like 15 goals in three games, I think. Um, but it's not sustainable. I, I like the Devils getting back in the win column here. Devils plus one of five over the Flyers. Yeah, Flyers have been playing tough, tough hockey. Not very good. We're going to do a big trade deadline kind of recap. Who's available, who's not? What moves are we going to make? I've already let one cat out of the bag with my hurdle Fiala trade. But yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that maybe later this week. We're going to have Tyler Ennis on the show potentially on Wednesday, see if he can figure out his schedule. He's, you know, 
maybe dive into the Ottawa Senators. What's going on with the Ottawa Senators these days? But anyways, everybody, I hope you have a good day. Hope you had a good weekend. We will talk to you guys later this week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.